filthy, force of filth. What it do, baby? Treatment, angels flipping, tables eating, flagels, decks unstable, Bruce so sick, there's silver border, like an antique shop, brick and mortar, illusionary mass for Rexian dreadnought, with altered art, man, shit, it's red hot, chicken life total, take a dozen, screenshots gonna get with a buzzin', ain't nobody got Bruce like black man, every single deck list is a blessing, Strict's head to drop out, learn your lesson, go ahead, iterate expressions, doesn't make a difference in dreadnought's presence, be just so bad, you'll need antidepressants, Zoloft, Prozac, Lexapro, try neck deck me, you'll overdose, or if you don't, I'll slit your throat with a katana sleeve that's split and gross i don't give a fuck about what you do what you choose to do when you lose just recognize i am the prize i'm the pinnacle player in watsi's eyes sign the slip check the box maybe next time you won't get rocked oh wait i forgot i can't be stopped i'm the motherfucking best i'm the cream of the crop and all my opponents go what the fuck that would be broken if it didn't suck it must be cute to think you're clever but don't you know i'm playing delta nowadays everybody's happy now but they're too drunk on the play but nothing hits the board coming straight to the yard just another useless card and motherfuckers act like they forgot about days nowadays everybody's happy now but they're too drunk on the play but nothing hits the board going straight to the yard just another useless card and motherfuckers act like they forgot about days remember that magic podcaster you hate making fun of nerds who are casting your name tweeting at Marl that he ruined the game sorry to inform you i'm back it's me nate can't play fair so i'm comboing off shepherding the glimpse and then i can't stop maybe i'll cast creator hook behemoth or a bio rhythm when your vibes are off used to play zoo in legacy better written explorer and therapy but all the delver nonsense has helped me to see that i just can't let you play with me go to win the game while you're pondering can't use days when i got mana floating don't cry can't interact make room in your board for mind break chop the wizard's purchase monkey rag a band gonna play that mother till it catches a band i'm not a fan of the decisions they're making winning's boring as hell and he do motivation super up double with a huge can of gas pressure token triggers coming out of my ass not a lot of believers in this kind of selling but they're about to learn the value of two spelling clear delver doc to back up my takes neglecting my children in the eyes of the state voice begging me to please come to bed but i'm firing off bolts at my opponent's head and i'm getting sucked into the grinder life but weeks on end since i've seen sunlight cps knocking wise a burden tonight oh shit they had the bail it's okay go with him junie nowadays everybody's having now but they're too drunk on the play but nothing hits the ball coming straight to the yard just another useless card and motherfuckers act like they forgot about days nowadays everybody's having now but they're too drunk on the play but nothing hits the board going straight to the yard just another useless card and motherfuckers act like they forgot about days it was up to me legacy would cease to feed his dependency on delva as if we even the police in the format and explore a whole new world without that and these elvish reclaimers got a whole tough act talking trash like they all got game they tutor up community theater and act like they made it on the great white way. Fuck all the planes while I'm they chase. Fire design, what a fucking disgrace. Chase the mind sculptor better than all. Sculpt the minds of you Neanderthal. The Laranon band and you slander his name. Claiming the sky just to try to feel safe. Praying to God you won't suffer your fate except God's a fake. Heliod betrays. As more no Monica diced in, I called the cars. Assured us a discarded card. Insures a normal casting cost. And swore on her blackened heart. She'll carve apart. A gargoyle's arms to the sculpted char. And serve him warm with a salty spot. Of gnarly barley malt as scotch. Trisk a deck of all big name, oh snap. Serve the big bats and a better cabbage patch. Best that your board and hydroblast. Cause legacy ain't having that. Nowadays everybody's having now. But they're too drunk on the play. But nothing hits the ball coming straight to the yard. Just another useless card. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about days. Nowadays everybody's having now. But they're too drunk on the play. But nothing hits the board going straight to the yard. Just another useless card. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about days. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Phil Blechman, and with me as always, Nate Golia. Nate. Oh, a, wait a minute. A, this a, is, have we entered the quantum slipstream? And now, who knows? 
who knows what's going to happen on this on this cast anymore one day it's zach and and some some guy that nobody knows who plays storm a lot and now it's you and me welcome back another uh, 315er that's what we used to call people who had 315 area codes when i lived in rochester because like rochester was at the time 716 and everything to the east was 315 including like all the farmland so when you called someone a 315er it was a pejorative about them like mm. living in farmland i ended up like marrying a person who lives in the 315 or is from that and they you know just live in a regular town like all of us so it's very funny life comes um, at you fast yeah and now i have a 315 area code and then rochester lost the 716 and now has 585 so this was a uh, sad day it was a sad day but what a day today is when was the last time you were on dude it was for you know the i review, feel like right? it was fairly recently but i don't yeah. remember what we were reviewing was there a banning it was the oh band. it was the bands yeah 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 i was reading joe dyer's legacy roundtable earlier today uh go check out joe dyer's work on mtg goldfish if you don't already but uh one of the questions in his roundtable was do you think the bannings fixed legacy nate i'm just gonna pose the question to you do you think the bannings fixed the legacy it has been a, it has been a longer time than i expected without like having to play delver like three out of five rounds right after the banning uh there were all those people jamming the new initiative decks and that was kind of irritating but they were not obnoxious it was more irritating because they were a lot easier to beat and so the, the rounds were even somehow less interesting because it's like this is still trash but now it's not even broken trash it's just obnoxious i don't remember exactly i don't think i don't know if i talked about it with you guys i guess not because if it was after the bannings i wouldn't think i would have played but like or I would have been able to have data, but like I was playing like Jund decks that would be able to like thought seize these hands that were like one land, a bunch of spirit guides, and one initiative creature. And it was so easy to just like easily disrupt them on turn mm -hmm. one. And I was sort of surprised by that. I was like, why would anyone play these cards still? And I think they they've come around a little bit. The ducks have got a little bit better. It's still like a bad mechanic, but not a it hasn't it hasn't roared back in any way. And Delver mm -hmm. is is somehow though I do wonder how much of it is just people being like I don't have to play this, so I don't want to. I feel like when people yeah. post tournament reports from long tournaments, they're still like in that like round five, Delver, round six, Delver, round seven, Delver, quarterfinals, Delver. You know what I mean? Maybe it doesn't appear in leagues, but uh, that's a nice break at least. The, the move away from Delver for a second after bans. I wonder if like what happened at the previous ban, if like the same thing happened where people like eased off of Delver for a second as they just like had fun trying new things that like they couldn't try before until we eventually just get back to this Delver, the dedicated Delver pilots that are good at sharp the list just like actually tune the best version now and yeah. then that's just adopted and then all and then the cycle just repeats or if they're actually if this is like actually a time where we're gonna have to see when the next card advantage spell comes out that they can easily slot into their shell but you want to know something that i've i've experienced recently as a guy who plays a lot of predict the more and more that i was playing predict i was finding that even when i converted in the ideal moments right like turn one setup turn two convert a predict and now i'm like full grip i'm not going to miss any land drops i have all the spells and interaction that i could want I would still be on the back foot way too far on the back foot but the 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 format still feels at least in my experience even through the ban it is so fast that using cards to go up raw cards that don't impact the board in any way the opportunity cost of impacting the board is too steep for those cards to exist in, well, that's in what viable I was, strategies yeah i mean that's that's what I, I think that was sort of my point before i was like it doesn't really matter like i thought expressive iteration like i i never really thought it was that 
bad to play against it, it turned out to be more impactful than possible maybe it was just that's the thing though it's like it's one of those things where it's like well maybe i don't interpret it because it wasn't as good in the in the, the against the sort of decks that i was playing whereas mm-hmm. like the vector of agitation was different i guess um yeah and i and i yeah. sort of because i sort of said the same thing like if they're, they, it's a it's a two mana spell but you can't tap out for it on turn two like what's it's not real it's just a it's just a turn three card and by then you know you should be able you know i mean you shouldn't be able to in in you know you know according to the scriptures but you are able to like do something as broken as look at the top three and like get to get two of them like that seems fine and i think that like yeah the problem was that in delver like people were getting were playing they had these aggressive creatures on turn one and then that was if you didn't if you weren't set up to sort of like absorb those hits then when they got ahead on cards it was even worse yeah um, i remember the the structure of that deck and the cards that we felt were like super egregious because you and i play decks that are like so far uh apart from each other murktide has to go fuck that card murktide it just is just ridiculous and it's got to go and i'm like i really just never care about murktide it's just that it's a it's a big beater that i just source the postures and move on with my day and you know i i didn't really have problems with ex- too many problems well, with expressive either I, but like for, for the most part i remember like the the dichotomy between the types of decks that expressive pushed out versus the type of decks that murktide pushes out right because i think that with murktide region if you think about like the kinds of like black base attrition decks that i tend to like to play if i'm not playing a combo deck right those decks are top decking and when the top if like one deck can top deck like a nine nine flyer like that's that, that sort of takes the uh the wind out of the sails for the top deck works what do you get a top deck that you have to top deck something that beats that there's not, not a lot of cards that beat that you know i mean there's sorts of plowshares and stuff like that and those are obviously playable cards but like i feel like even at like, one point I, I think i texted you guys i was like i i just i'm like so far ahead in this game they just countered the like i had they played a murktide and had one other card and it was like a force of negation so they could tap three and counter the thing i tried to play against it and i was like that's just the game like just a nine nine like what the hell i'm at 18 i'm gonna lose because of that like i'm gonna take two hits continuing along this trend of uh looking at joe dyer's piece here and the questions that were asked one of the questions is would you make any changes to the current format and one of the suggestions was unbanning death right shaman because it checks a lot of problems on the in the format between drc merc tide uro Nate, your thoughts? Well, I I agree with that, but when I, when Deathrite Shaman was in the conversation with bands, I was like, look, the problem, like, yes, maybe this card does one too many things, but you're we're gonna miss it when it's gone because the incidental graveyard interaction is so important to making sure that things don't get out of control because the graveyard is just a second hand in legacy right and there's just not a lot of ways to main deck a sort of incidental interaction with it if you could now the problem is it makes a mana off underground sea like that's not great and ideally it would just be like a green card with all the same abilities it'd probably be fine you know like if it if it was just green to cast it could still have a black activation cost like there's no there's nothing against that like there's no reason that can't happen i would definitely be interested in seeing it i don't i guess the thing is like at the time two the three mana slot dude getting accelerating to those three mana cards was so powerful do you remember what let's we can, let's remember some cards True name some cards that leovold emissary of trust i'm bridged into monastery mentor yes right that's actually a great one liliana the veil right like these cards those were that was like that that thing it's like oh crap they're getting the three too soon and then you can't you know you, how are you going to beat a 
turn to Leovold, right? They're, they're yep. going to just draw you to death. And I'm just trying to think, like, well, what's out now? Like, I mean, like Deathrite Shaman into the Fairy, Deathrite Shaman into Narset. Like, those seem, that seems like a pain in the butt, but not like, I, I don't know that it's any worse than those cards getting into play anyway at this point, considering mm-hmm. the other the other things, the other vectors at hand. Say Deathrite Shaman, what's it do against Urza Saga? Like, that's not, that's an interesting problem right yeah Urza Saga is egregious in my mind it will it will always be egregious in my mind I just don't I, I, it's weird because like I, I guess I don't I guess I appreciate that I get to like play against some weird cards but the novelty of the weird cards always wears off when that you that the Urza Saga is what beats you anyway you know the the weird cards like I find anytime I, I like brew with like fun stuff like you know there were times where I was like putting Thran Turbine in my deck but like the fun cards like those kind of interesting cards that like the potential that you're looking for the opportunity cost for them being free and tutorable out of your deck kind of bypasses the point it's like who cares it's like the, the deck operates, you know, with or without it because Urza Saga just does everything by itself. A, a bit of a slant, but like, it, it's interesting to me that like a lot of the cards that like Deathrite that, you know, enabled a bunch of decks. Well, Ancient Tomb Urza Saga is, I don't know what percentage of the format is, but it's like every Ancient Tomb deck is an Urza Saga deck. It's like, yeah. or, or, or rather every well, non-Brainstorm blue deck is an Urza Saga deck. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, I don't do that, but that's also because I don't, I just don't enjoy I, I don't like playing Urza Saga. I actually think I enjoy playing Brainstorm more than I enjoy playing Urza Saga. Because I'm playing a Brainstorm deck, I'm probably not, you know, it's probably got like Aria Flame in it or something. Like just something, like I'm just like doing something offbeat and I'm going to play blue for whatever reason, right? But like with Urza Saga deck, it's like, yeah, I wanted to do this combo, this artifact combo, but really I'm just going to end up like winning probably at least half the games I win by making constructs. You know? I mean, or, and sweet, then tutoring up something else to stop like to like to answer whatever situation i'm in when you were talking about murktide like my opponent just top decks a nine nine and that's it that's the game urza saga is top decking two nine nines two nine nines yeah if they have nothing in play as long as it depends they need a bunch of artifact lands but yeah the power it's power on its own undercuts it's the fact that it means like oh you can play this weird deck the, the deck that i was i know it's stupid but like i was like oh you know it's fun i'll get to spot acceptor and play it with uh with demonic pact and that'll be like a fun thing to do but then like i just never did i never did that cool thing i just every game i won was just by making constructs and people are gonna say of course like well that's because that idea is stupid but like i didn't even get to find out if the idea was that stupid yeah. even the, the stuff that urza saga lets you backdoor into it's like okay yeah you have to deal with the constructs and then it incidentally gets to backdoor into painter right but painter it's, was it, already a, it's not like painter was unviable oh like, to- it totally. was, i'm saying that like yeah. that, that last chapter it, it being free is why i find like anytime somebody like puts anything in or tutors anything or like the creativity off of Urza Saga, that entirely, in in my experience, has entirely worn off. Whatever you do after you Urza Saga and make constructs, it doesn't matter. Yeah, obviously, if you get a Retrofitter Foundry or if you get, you know, a Mox Opal because it's mana fixing, like any of the other problems that it solves for you, the, the onus of like putting two XX constructs into play, uncounterable at instant speed, is already like way above the curve, way above yeah. the curve. Yeah, I think it's good that it's not great at turn one play, at least. Yeah, I, well, I don't it, know. I just if, don't, you have, if you have Ancient Tomb, it is. You know, if someone's ready to play against it, it it's, I, again, like I, I guess was, all I'm saying is like, yeah, I guess my thing I just wanted to say was that Painter wasn't unviable before it was just saga right. it wasn't it was like it was probably more viable than like burn 
and like people still play burn well, maybe they don't anymore Never you don't really. need not, to. at least not that i've seen yeah it's interesting that no one's played burn i did try play bur- playing burn with dragon's rage channeler and uh and uh mistress bobble and it was it was actually pretty good yeah like i just put the i put the dragon's rage channelers in instead of goblin guide and i put the mistress bobbles in like a couple lands and then like there's a couple burn flex slots and i played fetch lands because with mistress bobble you get like you can scry yourself with a fetch land right and better delirium yeah actually it was actually pretty good mm-hmm. but it was extremely boring to play but when i tried to light up the stage with burn and i was like i just and like i won every game in the in the league where i resolved to light up the stage like if i got if i resolved to light up the stage and I, I just won because i just got two more lightning bolts like immediately right. yeah and it only cost one mana so like yeah like that was a real interesting burn experiment as well which i think is like a funny it's like a burn is almost like a uh training exercise like in sequencing and like you know understanding you know how to manipulate your deck in a limited way mm-hmm. um and like both of those examples prove that my point was just that like a painter like you could have played it it wasn't it wasn't yeah. in its it wasn't at its heyday painter's been good at times and urza saga made it great and that's fine but it didn't like really to me i don't really i i think the like urza saga enables decks thing is a little overblown because what decks does it enable that would not exist anyway like painter would probably exist eight cast would probably exist anyway what what is the the competitive viability of that deck like what percentage of those decks are winning on the back of constructs i I wonder what the decks would look like if they didn't have access to urza saga just giving them all of these free things the one of pithing needles in the in the decks or the one of aether spell bombs in the decks that then you can recur with your emeries and it's like being able to do all of that two direction on top of making all those constructs like what does that shell look like if it looks like anything considering that like okay you want to get your thought monitors down low cost with affinity urza saga is three artifacts in one card yeah, right that that is true like that's what i'm saying it would make it great but i do think that deck would just like probably play hull breacher and uh echo Vions or something like and just be like oh i'm just gonna con- i'm just gonna draw like the most cards you know oh, yeah, and it, sigh it goes back to the urza karn shit yeah and sigh yeah it's interesting that you don't see karn like, when was the last time you saw a car? Maybe it's in Painter, and I haven't played against Painter in a while. Uh, Maybe it's not, though. They might have just lowered their curve because the, the, they just don't need it, right? It's like an additional plan that you, they just don't need. Yeah. I, I, I see Karn in, like, the, there's, like, the... The, the, the mono black decks but like the mono black helm decks that's the most common place that i see it show up i mean there's obviously like the the Karn mystic forge like you know tier x deck but mono black deck is like pretty popular i see it fairly often yeah there's no Karns in this in this deck i'm looking at uh, which was a first place deck and there is i forgot there's four fabled the mirror and that's another card that exists you know yeah so this is the so, painter deck that plays two. This is the painter deck that plays two grindstones. Like before Urza Saga, I played a lot of blue painter actually. Like uh, where I would play uh, War of Invention and like the that sort of very aggressive combo to just like painter as fast as possible. When you have Urza Saga in your deck, you just you can you can shave your combo pieces. The deck just gets more consistent because you have a free tutor. Right. I was saying that we had two grindstones. I I got grindstone and painter itself. It does have four painters, but also has seven blasts. So mm-hmm. at least that also combos with painter. Like you want to get a that's the thing, you want to get a painter into play and then you just pyroblast all their stuff and then win with like a chaos defiler or something. I don't know. How big is that thing? Yeah. Okay. So speaking of chaos defiler, because this, this was going on in our chat. So the reason that Zach isn't on the cast today is because Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Because he's traveling to MTG Con in Minneapolis. Is that right? Minneapolis, yeah. Minneapolis, yeah. So he's going to Minneapolis and he is potentially going to get to interview Gavin Verhey briefly uh, and ask him questions about design and how they pertain to legacy. So anybody who we have, we, we're expecting, you know, maybe three to four questions given the time, the, how much time we have. But uh, anybody who wants to ask a question to Gavin, if you got a chance, put it in the comments below. Zach is going to take a look. We'll try and curate the best questions that we can and see what info we can get out of Gavin. And Gavin's actually pretty pretty good at answering stuff when he can, you know, when, he, when yeah. he's allowed to. Days is days is like getting better, but it's getting better because they're constantly printing nonsense that they shouldn't print. I've actually been examining my own perception of that because I'm like, well, what do I want? What, what, what? If, it's easy to say you shouldn't have printed this. And really, usually my uh, measuring stick for that is like, if there's a lot of text on this card, this you've you've lost the plot you know mm -hmm. ragavan had a lot of text grandport arcanist had a lot of text like you know the more text you're putting on these cards like you're, you're just you're making it so that this is going to be a problem you know my argument for days back when i wanted it gone and the the i mean if it went now i still wouldn't be upset but the reason that i wanted it gone was because it's the card that i feel just punishes the die roll more than any other card in the format and that's what i felt with like ragavan too because it snowballed percentage that you win on the play versus the draw feels so lopsided to me in the games that from my own experience when i see yeah. people share like you know their leagues online and that they show the play draw it just feels like the play is so much more valuable in the dark than anything else even even if you have like an excellent matchup against the deck it just feels like the play is more important than anything else going on and if they continue to push cards that like beget cards because they have to design for commander that it's only going that like that will only get pushed further and further and further. Do we have the conversation on the podcast about how to fix the play draw problem? Or Remind me, what, what were your thoughts? Because you had said, well, the, they should just let the computer even it out. And I said, absolutely fucking not. They should not do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Not in a oh, okay. so, years. So, the, the, so the, the little recap on it is I said that if you go, if you, if you play a large tournament, let's say you went into a Grand Prix and it's 15 yeah. rounds. If two people are going into a, a round and they have been on the play an equal number of times, it's random, right? The computer just yes. randomly chooses one of them. But then if you and I meet in round, or round six, and you've been on the play three times, I've been on the play twice, I would just get the play automatically to balance it out over the course of a tournament. You yeah, and I think the that's play bad. To somebody who's been on it less, and then you were like, I, "That's nonsense, Phil. You need to go." No, away but you weren't the only. You weren't the only person who had that I idea. Was the only though. One, yeah. Yeah. And that's why, and I was just saying, like, I think that, I think that is, is more, more trouble than it's worth. In this situation, I've been on the play three times. You've been on the play twice. It's round five. You know, you're going to now just get to be on the play for having been on there twice. But you got to this point by winning the same amount of rounds. So you've already stolen a game on the draw or stolen a round on the draw. So it's not impossible. I think that what I think that my problem with it is it sort of like it sort of makes it so that like oh the the play and the draw is so important that we have to we have to equalize it it also it gets to like but that's why you play the games. One thing we didn't mention in that in that conversation the last time we had it, I, I forget if it was on cast or not off cast but one thing that we didn't mention was the difference that the play draw has because of the London Mulligan like the change in the Mulligan rule from when you described but now that you actually get to sculpt the seven or you know yeah. sculpt even after a mulligan, how much how much more impactful that has on also being on the play because you just are going to be more consistent every round that you otherwise would with would be with the previous mulligans that we've experimented with in my mind it was similar to like if you go into a chess tournament i get magic's not chess but go with me if you go into a chess tournament 
it's just proven that white is 55% to win in the dark, right? Yes. It's like, you know, sitting down at the table, if you're playing white, you are just favored because you get to move first. If you go, if you play across an entire chess tournament, you get to play black and white an equal number of times. Now you, you can still win with black, but you are inherently disadvantaged knowingly going in. And I feel like that is also deterministic in magic. You will, you will win more on the play than you will on the draw. I wish That's I actually true. had like, like, like full stats to like actually say, look at, look at this, look at the numbers. Well, it's like home field advantage, right? A team, a team has in the in the NFL, like on the betting lines, a team gets three points just for being at home. You know, so that means that Even, like if the team it was favored to win, if the team was going to be favored to win by seven, they're favored to win by ten. The team was an underdog by seven, they're underdog by four. And if a team is like plus two, if a home team is like, for example, like plus two or minus two rather in a NFL game, that the, the point spread is the the home team minus two. That means that they're expecting like a one point game. You know, basically, like it's hard. It's basically a pick. And I feel like the play draw is closer to that than the chess situation, just because like matchups matter. That's what I'm saying, right? Like the home team always gets a little bit of an edge in football, but matchups still matter. If you're the, if you're like a playoff team going to week 15 and the other team is going, is like the third, has like the third overall pick. It doesn't matter if you're on the road, you're favored to win. It's going to be a little harder for you than the average game against this team on like a neutral field, but you still are favored because of your because of your matchup advantage and i think that's the thing like if you if you've got a deck that can beat mine even if it's on the draw then why should you also get the advantage maybe i can only win if i'm on the player i only have a chance to win if i'm on the play do you get what i'm saying just because somebody overcame the disadvantage of being on the draw like it doesn't feel like oh you overcame the odds therefore you shouldn't it, it still shouldn't be fair right but maybe as fair as we can make it but you also got to play against a person who lost on the play so maybe their deck just sucked you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, yeah. Things, I'm yeah. Saying, like, the, the, the stuff we can't control is people with what decks people bring to in a tournament and how they get paired. Well, that's but what I'm saying. We can't control if, that. Right. But you like, know? you theoretically <laughs> could balance out how many times somebody is on the play over the course of an event, right? Like, if, if two people are on the play, if you, if you, if your pairings line keep lining up in such a way where for home field advantage in football, you're playing the same game, there isn't an inherent in game advantage to being at home other than you're playing on turf and the crowd is cheering for you. Whereas like in, in magic, it's like, you get mana first, you get access to d- game actions first. This is, this is the conversation. But the home field like, advantage is real. That's the thing though. Why is home field right, advantage right. Yeah, it's, real? It, it, it must it, have it, some it, impact. It must have some impact. Right. But at the same time, every team gets to play an equal number of home games and away games over a course of a season. You know what that I'm saying? Is, that is true. But that, that's so what that's, I'm saying. It's like, it's but like, you, you also, could, but you not in the playoffs, away game. not in the playoffs though, which is a tournament. <laughs> so there's another point there of the playoffs are a tournament and teams jockey for position to get home field advantage in the playoffs for that reason or or home ice in hockey or home court in basketball totally. and and when you go into top eight if you're the higher seed you get to be on the play yeah you know, which like, uh that is actually home field advantage that's the argument that i'm making it's like we all acknowledge that being on the play is better because it is a reward going into the top eight but also it's just because you win more when you're on the play i would think that if if the tools are available to us to try and level out that disparity as much as possible we should do it i i went four out my local recently with, with like this past week trying out a new card in miracles but i won all my die rolls right like yeah i i, I have to i have to i have to try i have to continue so i i played miracles and i played a card dream cash we'll talk about it it's a it's a three mana brainstorm variant but like would i have won those games had i been on the on the draw probably not there was one game against reanimator you will be able to see these games on 90s mtg this episode is going to come after those 
uh, games will have aired on the, on Chris's channel, Chris Benucci's channel. But like, I definitely won a game because I was on the play against Reanimator because I had access to two mana before when they were comboing off that I would have yeah. just straight dead on if I didn't have access to it. I, I was able to play Dress Down in response to an Animate Dead. Okay, come off but what if that Reanimator player had only had two times when they were on the play coming into your round and then they they they, they forced you to be on the draw? And then you'd be like, well, of course I lost to Reanimator. They were on the play, you know? I can only beat them if I'm on the play. That's what I don't like about it, you know? It's not yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. You, yeah, it's like you can't, like why, like, oh, like this Reanimator player brute forced on some some uh, round where they were on the draw. You, I think you know that like your deck is more favored on the play against them because you need more resources to hold them off. Yeah, that's, what if they were the ones who got the advantage, like the, a double, double advantage, you know? You should want, you should want to have that, uh, that randomized chance to at least get the chance to um you know assert your uh position in in such a matchup and not have it decided for you based on something that that you were not involved in you know that's how i feel at least and that's the other reason why i don't like having people roll their roll the die to do it as opposed to uh, just having the computer do it too because computers are funny any outlier with computers people will blame the computer you know it's a black box no one no one believes that it's that it's not been tampered with you know what i mean and all it would take is one uh you know one um sort of fraudulent tournament for the whole thing to go do it hell just let people roll the die it takes it takes 30 seconds it's yeah, not I, the reason I, 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 it's not the reason magic tournaments are interminable because people roll and die i i don't have a problem with like like how the play draw is decided there, there's already variants baked into the game between what cards you draw the matchups that you have each round if you go to an event and you just get unlucky by losing the die roll four times in a row that the odds of you going 4-0 on the draw every time, it, it's so steep compared to the person who gets lucky and wins their four die rolls. I don't know why, like I could be wrong because like your argument makes sense to me. It's just like, it feels like the being able to balance out the things that we do have some semblance of control over would remove some of the excess variance that doesn't need to be baked into the game, you know? Well, we were, I think we're also, we might be, we might be right about that. I don't know exactly what it is, but you were saying it's 55, 45 and in chess and it's, in chess, probably, it's, it's about 55 45 yeah it's got to be worse than that for magic it's got to be like 62 or something i i, I, I definitely i deep, definitely yeah. agree i definitely agree that being on the play is a huge advantage like i, I definitely agree with or i shouldn't say i definitely feel that like being on a play is a bigger advantage in magic than it is in other turn-based games you know mm. um that we know of. the only one we really have any data on in that case is chess i i feel like they should fix the game like i feel like if totally. you, I, mean, I feel like if you have such a runaway advantage like that for the person who plays first that's a that's a problem with your with the card with the game pieces you know not a problem oh, with totally. like the universe yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you uh, know hey, what, what, one of the things that i i am constantly curious when any anytime the the watsi designers like share their thought process on like certain cars that they designed or sets that they designed the one thing that i'm always curious to hear is if they ever are thinking about the like how a card plays on the play versus the draw because cards naturally advantage you for playing them as soon as possible like if a card begets a card in any meaningful way it's better to have it sooner rather than later but there aren't yeah. like the the only cards that like come to mind that like specifically reward being on the draw is stuff like white of the night orchid or land tax you know yeah. it's like the, these cards are just like very clearly better on the draw because they they actually function or, or phantasmagorian like exactly yeah, yeah 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 but like it's like if you play a land tax on turn one and then pass and then your opponent plays land well now you have to you have to turn your off you have to reduce your development in order to make a card work whereas it will reward you for being on the draw which i think is good design because you already have to overcome the disparity of being on the draw in the first place and so 
a card rewarding you for being on the draw, something that wasn't in your control, I think is more interesting design because yes, there will be more variance in like how that card plays, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. If a card plays out the exact same way every single game, regardless of its environment, I would imagine that's boring. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wish that there was, I, I don't know, they, but they, they should be figuring that out. I'm actually sure, looking, at our, I'm looking at our text thread to see because we had so many, we had so many stupid ideas. Rosewater on his podcast, he loves talking about like mechanics that are, that make things that otherwise aren't exciting, exciting. So one of his examples was like when they designed Landfall for the first time, and they were like, we found, we knew that Landfall was going to work and it was going to be a fun mechanic when you were like, please top deck a land in the late game. You were like, oh, please just let me top deck a land, which is yeah. not something that had really ever come about before. And so when they were like, okay, well, now if you draw action, that's exciting. If you draw a land, that's exciting. So this mechanic is just inherently going to work. Like we knew we knew that going in after that was discovered and played testing. And I, I imagine that like something similar could be for cards that reward being on the play or being behind in some way. Man, I'm on the draw. That sucks. I really don't. And then you open your hand and like, oh, this card is way better on the draw. This is exciting now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be cool. That, 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 that would feel cool. Yeah. You said when, in, our, in our conversation about this, uh, a player can choose any card in their on a draw can choose any card in their sideboard to be their companion. I actually thought that was a really oh, good yeah. idea. <laughs> that was you funny. can just yeah. pay you can just pay three life to companion something into your hand. Like why not? Yeah. You know yeah. it exists. Why not? I, I, mine was you get there's like five lotus tokens, one for every color, and if you're on the draw, you get to shuffle the one you want into your deck. We also talked about paying five life to buy the play mm -hmm. uh, if you lose. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Betting the play, but then. Then that, that it just that advantages certain decks that care about life total, but yeah, yeah, the advantage that it would be pretty funny with Death Shadows. Like, yeah, I just got to get, to, I just got to start the, the the game at five and then play a turn one. Eight, yeah, eight. and then play a Death Shadow. Yeah, <laughs> but you're but you're but you're starting the game at five. Like the other person could just go like uh, pedal Dark Ritual tendrils and yeah, then totally, you lose. Totally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> that, those were interesting ideas. Like, I mean, obviously, like each one like advantage different things. You know, particularly like yeah. you know the, the the companion thing out of your sideboard. It's like if you know the matchup or what you're playing or like or if you're going into the draw would that work for each game would it is it just for the opening game you know so it's like you don't necessarily know what you're if you don't know what you're playing against you companion something that's just like good for you in the dark but like if you know what you're playing against like if you see somebody's deck early in the tournament it's like yeah obviously i'm going to companion meltdown against the eight cast you know like <laughs> Uh, well, or the, or you get to do it on the second if you you know when you're on the play, or excuse me, on the draw in game three or whatever reason. Yeah, does it go back and forth? Thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, if, like if, you, if um, I win game one and you're on the draw game two, do you get to do it for game two? But then if you win game two and I'm on the draw game three, do I get to do it for game three? Uh, I like to ponder for your first draw stop, but you know oh, that's yeah. probably like why not? What's the, what's the what's what's the worst? You get one free ponder, I guess. But yeah, you know. it's also because we were talking about like the the the, the advantage that you do the the. The advantage, quote, quote, that you get for being on the draw is you get an extra card, but that's not necessarily always relevant because of how fast decks can be. So it's like that being on, if, if you're going against a deck that's grindy, like that wants to go long, yeah. that extra card matters a lot. But if you're on a, if you're going against a deck that's trying to kill you fast, it's not necessarily the same thing because you may need resources to deploy that stuff unless you're playing like free counter magic. If, if you had the option of like, yeah, it, it was like, I any of the top three draw or, or, yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like so, some amount, like deep amount of scrying or something, you know, some kind of other thing that you could maybe choose from other than a card. Yeah. It's like, I know we talked about like the coin, you know, from Hearthstone, but then, yeah. but then you just getting to play a two drop on, if you just get a treasure on your turn one and get to skip turn one of development, that is, in my mind, that's the reason why Ancient Tomb is so busted right now, yeah. because it just lets you skip development. 
And so if there was yeah. a mechanic naturally in the game that lets you just skip development, like I don't know if that's actually solving or just making the problem worse. As Ian McCune used to say, an ancient tomb is like a time walk because yeah. it's you get an extra you get extra mana. Oh, let's we I know we got like 10 minutes. So we should talk about Staff the Storyteller. Okay, yeah. So last week So I heard I, I heard that you like you were you were excoriating this card. I, I was just off of it. Like here's the thing. Here's the thing with with what I'll, I'll expand upon staff because it, it did win a bunch of events. It won a challenge or something. It won my yeah. local monthly at, at Game Storia in New York. It, it's been putting up some number of results. But the reason that I don't like staff is because it was presented to me as like, oh, Phil, you love control. Staff is awesome for you. And what I found was staff is good. Staff is a good card, but it is good in a, a way that it requires you to play the cards that turn it on, which steers you down a narrow direction of like, okay, you're playing it with Stoneblade or you're playing it in like four color with Minsk and Boo because Minsk every yeah. turn, even if you have the hamster in play, will trigger the staff. Or you're playing like the <laughs> so standstill funny. shell. So, so it's like, it, it, it's not that the card is bad, but it's not the way that people were selling it to me where they were like, Phil, this is control savior. Like this is bringing control back in. This is going to be the card that makes it so you control isn't just haymaker mid-range. And to that end, I disagree. You're, you're, it, well, you're 100% right about that. Because That's where I was excoriating it. I was coming from the position of like, it does not, it is not bringing back like, the 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 control that we yearn for that control mages yearn for it's very good in like the standstill role where you already are playing like those types of cards it's putting you in that direction or you're playing four color because you already want minskin boo anyway i know anurag was playing uh, trying out staff with both minskin boo and fable of the mirror breaker so you could just curve and like start churning yeah. through and like that thing but at the same time again both of those decks to me are way are, are not control control. They're 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 much more mid rangey piles. But but you have also had experience with staff, and you've been loving it. Well, it was funny because I actually didn't love it the first time I played it. I tried to play with Young Pyromancer, mm -hmm. and I thought that would be kind of fun. Uh, that did not work out. The mana was too bad. That just the mana was just really bad. So I played yeah. it in Dead Guy Ale, where the mana was much better, and that was the thing. Well, the mana's gonna be great in this deck, and. Well, I'm like, well, I've got this card in my deck. What am I doing with it? What am I when I'm replacing it? And I had I was like, well, I guess I gotta try. I gotta replace Dark Confidant and then play more higher curve cards. And that's what I did. And as much as so it, it kind of it's weird because it kind of changes the texture of the deck a little, mm -hmm. but it is effectively a dark confidant that costs mana but not life. And it's it's a steep white commitment. That's the that's the thing too. It's a, it's a steeper it's a steeper white commitment, you know. But it's still it's not really that's still like, I'm guessing you need all the white mana to activate it and then cast a white card. But it wasn't it wasn't that bad. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm like I have nine cards in my hand. <laughs> like I cast a lingering souls, and I had two staffs in play, and that's like. You know, each of those, you know, just I flashed back like it's like flashing back uh, uh, deep analysis, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. And I thought I was like, oh, I can see because I when I first saw this card being played, I thought it was I know I knew it. I'm not serious about this, but it was like, is this like a prank being directed at me specifically? There is no way this card is good in Legacy. You know what I mean? I was like, this is like this is like people doing this like, huh, Nate's going to think this card is good because he, he loves uh, Lingering Souls. That's what I kind of thought was going on. Dude, and I, I, when it, I was thinking that bitter, like the the bitter blossom, because everybody's like, "Oh, bitter blossom every turn will trigger this thing," and then they and then Skrull's hive, which is like the white bitter blossom, and I'm like, yeah. "Okay, now we can just play eight bitter blossom effects with staff and just have an have all like a bunch of engines." And then I was like, "Okay, this is kind of okay, okay, okay. We got something going on. What would this deck look like in my recent matchups?" And I was like, 
Okay, Dark Ritual Tendrils. Okay, Dark Ritual <laughs> Tomb Reanimate. Okay, okay, okay. Yep, yep. Okay, I'm off. <laughs> right, but it was actually really good. I think I think actually I might have said it was really good, but in, against decks that no one should be playing anyway. Um, right. Because right, like, yeah. yeah, you're right. You should probably just be putting Grizzle Brand in the play. But it was it was cool that it was good. It was cool that like I could keep um I could have uh, Cauldra complete in my deck like uh shoal dread without worrying about flipping it to dark confidant and losing randomly um, yeah I, I will point out that like staff of the storyteller is showing up and it's like showing success like it's having success in the format even though i don't like it it's the kind of card that i'm happy is is finding success in legacy it's not the thing that's like obsoleting archetypes or like yeah. pushing pushing a deck to tier zero you know it's just like it's a good role player that's showing up in a, a, a couple of different varieties and it's not going to break anything, but it's a solid, it's a solid piece that's that people are trying out and having fun with. And that's great. Like that's the, that's good design. Yeah. I, 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 that's what, I guess that's what I want to say about it. I was like, I actually think, you know, if you're talking about a, a, a card that will allow other kinds of decks to exist, here's a card that will do that. You know, I, 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 um, I mean, the big, the big. Uh, first of all, it, it combos with, with itself, which is nice. And the second one puts com a, a counter back on the first one, and then you have two of them in play, and you can draw a bunch of cards. It's great. The other thing, I've been lingering souls, obviously was good. I put uh, Sedgemore Witch in my deck because that makes tokens. I'm like, you know, any other way to charge this thing up. But yeah, it is also like a, the th first thing you board out against any deck where you where you're not expecting to play like a turn six. If you're expecting to play a turn six, it's a great card. But if you're not, <laughs> I thought the most powerful thing about it was that it let you cloak your interaction, right? I could hold up a tundra and I like I could I could feign that I was holding up white to activate staff and then people would walk into spell pierce. Yeah. But like and, I, and while that was powerful, I was like, "Oh man, but now I have to put spell pierce in my deck." <laughs> yeah. it, when I'm looking at the staff decklist, I'm like, "If you are going out of your way to do something to make staff work, it's probably too far gone." If you're doing things that you would have been doing anyway, like casting stoneforge mystic, then it's probably good. And that's yeah. also the case because it is kind of, it does just put a thing in play. It, it puts a thing in play. That's that's good. Like it puts the, the token into play. That token flying is good against Merit Lage. That's actually like worth a turn mm -hmm. and you're getting an extra card mm -hmm. to look for that Swords to Plowshares or Shouldred's Edict or whatever you got. That was sort of where I saw it, you know? I, I'm I'm like you. I'm, I'm happy that this card is playable in 2023. I was not, I, I was sure that there was some sort of like pirate stompy thing going on. You know, where people yeah, are just yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is, you know, like, we're going to pretend this card is really good. It's going to be, we get to register it. Um, it, it I, I, let me, like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say that I'm I'm very happy that the reason that I was uh, tilting off about staff, because it didn't work in the decks that I like to play, and therefore I don't like it, rather than tilting off on it because it's uh, just wildly broken, you know? Well, it's, like, it's, it's also funny, too, because I, I, I definitely think that, like, the decks you like to play, you want people playing staff of the storyteller decks. You know, you want that card to be good because it actually makes, you know, a hard a hard control deck against like what is a mid-range deck is what you want, you know. That's kind of probably good in a way, but not in the way you were expecting. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I like if somebody's playing a card that like makes the one one and it draws a card, I, I think there's there's something to be said about like the cards that do the same thing every turn, no matter what. Like it's it's like I find Minskin Boo to be exceptionally uninteresting because yeah. it's the same thing every single turn. Where it's like, if they are hitting staff every turn, the card that they draw and the way that like that is going to interact with the board at any given time is going to be different all throughout the game. Like from early on in when we're in, we're in development versus when we're well-developed and now trading. Whereas yeah. like Minsk is just always jamming a 4-4, right? Like if the, 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 
the permanent that gives you some amount of advantage in some way, having some amount of variety, there's a cost to it, right? Like you have to pay white every turn. So it's not yeah. just, it's not like tap and it's free, right? They gated it. It's like, they didn't fall into the same pitfalls because I could have easily seen them printing staff of the storyteller, one in a white, put a counter on it every time a token is triggered and then tap, draw a card, you know? Yeah. Like mana gating showed some amount of restraint on their part, which is, which feels extremely rare when they go into I commander think the, products. The mana gate was why I thought there was no way this card was playable. Same, like I could, same. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, you what's two talking, You and I were saying, like, there's no way that a, a, a one white white for a 1-1 one, one flyer draw card is playable in our environment. Like, there's just no way. Well, I think the second one, the, the cascading effect from them is nice. And because you, you're drawing more cards, you're finding more staffs. You know what I mean? That's actually kind of an interesting... But you're, oh, you're yeah, also yeah, yeah. 100%, when, 100 you, right about the experience. Up? Yeah. Once you've doubled up, for sure. It was, it was that, like, I was like, guys, we are talking about, like, you have to say, <laughs> assuming you don't find the second staff, you have to be okay with the fact that the if you find your first copy, it's a one one that draws a card for three mana. That's like maybe a good draft playable, you know, yeah. at best, right? Like that's it. Like there's, there's literally two, there's literally a two and a white two one flyer that gained a life and drew a card that was like dominant new Capenna draft or whatever. And it's like that card is not remotely close to legacy playable. And everybody was on staff's dick. And I was like, what is going on? I'm it's because, losing my mind. It's, it's because like when you're making tokens, you're it's because of the, I think the thing that it, that the way that it draws a card is by making tokens. Right. And like lingering souls is already like lingering souls. I know it's one of my favorite cards. I always talk about all the time, but like it is, a, it's not a bad card. Like really even now, it's not a card that you're always like, Oh, I wish this was something else. Like usually like if you're, if you've got a lingering souls and you're not like about to die to like a doomsday, like, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, like, I said, like I said, if you're trying to play a turn six, Lingering Souls is a pretty good card because it's yeah, going it's, it's, it's to put good, two things into play. It's those bodies are relevant. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And the and, yeah, same thing is true of Planeswalkers that crank out a uh, a token. Like, they're pretty good. The, the problem is that there are other Planeswalkers that are just going to win the game without you having to make a token and then attack for the next turn, you know? <laughs> like, the, that that kind of, like, Elspeth Knight Errant planeswalker you know wasn't wasn't invoked for a while right but this is the kind of card that synergized with those cards and this everything kind of lifts you know it's more than some of its parts and of course with stoneforge mystic uh you just anything with a living weapon triggers it so that's another that's another thing you got well, like well yeah yeah th that's that's where i'm like okay yes i i agree that like the card putting up results it, it is not surprising to me in that like you could, if you look at any of those decks that are winning, like the, the Stoneforge Mystic decks or the, you know, Standstill-esque uh, Cycle, Shark Typhoon, and yeah. uh, Timeless Dragon-style decks, it's like, if you removed Staff from those decks and, like, replaced them with the other four cards that would have existed in those slots beforehand, the deck is otherwise the same, right? They made no concessions yeah. to further uh, get Staff online. It's just, like, what their deck was already incidentally doing and therefore, this card is, is just working with a shell that already exists that was proven. And it's like, yeah, that works. That, that's effective. That, that makes yeah. sense. So. Shark Typhoon. I forgot that's how people were putting counters on staff. I saw that in the wild. Yeah, oh, crap. That's really good. <laughs> when you cycle it for zero, for X is zero, it still makes a zero, zero token that dies. So it still yeah. triggers the staff. And that's why I was like, it's the same thing with Minskin Boo. If you already have your 4-4 four, four in play, you can still just say yes to the trigger when it makes another hamster. Legend rule, keep the good one, and it still triggers the staff. But it's like, you would already, you were already playing those cards. You guys want to know, like I saw Phil in New York a couple weeks ago. This We just had the, the, a very similar conversation. <laughs> this is basically what we talked about over uh, over noodles, which was nice. Except uh, um, now now we, we, this time we had, uh, you know, some, some uh, meat to go off of it with... Uh, <laughs> 
with some results. Yeah, right. For sure. Yep. All right, brother. All right, man. Have a good night. Good night, everybody.